What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Eastern Current. We've got a really great kayak fishing episode for you today. And as always, I always share this. Just because you're not a kayak angler doesn't mean you can't learn a ton that you can apply, whether you're fishing on foot or fishing from a boat or fishing on foot from the bank. Um, there's just a lot of uh, you know stuff that can apply across the board. And I learn so much when fishing from a kayak because it slows me down pick the water part better um, you're less likely to try to make big moves you're just going to dig it dig in where you are and and try to figure it out and there, there's a lot of learning that comes from that so before we jump into the the meat of the podcast i'm going to remind you all about our patreon page if you do love this podcast you can go help support us for five dollars or ten dollars a month those are the two built-in tiers that we have and then um, if you want to do a custom donation, you can do that as well. The other thing is our, our uh, private Facebook group. If you do listen to this podcast, go over there and you can join that. And that way you can communicate and interact with other listeners and hopefully, you know, hop out, hop and, or meet and get on the water with some of those anglers um, on that Facebook group and, and kind of grow your fishing community. That's kind of the goal for that. But um, that's enough of me rambling. Let's bring on our guest, Dan, the freaking fishing man. It's really just Dan the Fishing Man, but I had to throw the frickin' in there because I say that word way too much. That's all good. <laughs> What's going it's on, man? Good. Not too, too much. Just hanging out in the hotel. Yeah, I know. I was, uh, when I was talking to Dan earlier today, he's like, man, anytime this evening it's fine to record, I'm just going to be sitting in a hotel room working in Georgia right now. So, um, What part of Georgia are you in? Uh, we're in Bainbridge. We're actually doing survey work for Lake Seminole. Oh, cool. Cool. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, what kind of survey work are you doing? Just boundary work. Just boundary work. Just, yep. Right on. So tell people a little bit about your, you're normally a sushi chef, but with everything going on, that's your, your final work elsewhere right now. Yeah, I am. I'm a sushi chef full time, uh, in Crestview, Florida, you know, but right now they've got the restaurant shut down as most restaurants are across the United States. So yeah. I'm kind of out of work just doing some side stuff here. Right but on. yeah, from, from the panhandle Emerald coast. So that's the uh, that's the area I've spent the least amount of time fishing in Florida is is up in the Panhandle area and it's where I'd really like to spend some more time. I I drive past so much good fishing to get down to the Everglades and the the Upper Keys, and uh, I fished a little bit in Jupiter and I fished in like the uh, Mosquito Lagoon and Indian River and some of that, but. Um, I want to fish the Crystal Coast for sure. So Some good stuff. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's start out. I like to do each show. Just kind of give us your background story. How'd you get into fishing? Where did you grow up? And, and how'd you get to become Dan the Fishing Man? Yeah, well, I grew up in Crestview, Florida. Lived there my whole life until I went to college. But I really got into fishing at a young age. My dad would take us out on the river catching bass and brim and uh, catfish, you know, anything like that. Uh he kind of stayed away from saltwater. He wasn't a big fan of saltwater. We did do some mullet fishing, you know, early teens, but no, mostly all freshwater and, and deer hunting. So I had a love from for the outdoors from an early age. Uh, moved off to college, didn't really do any fishing while I was in college or anything outdoorsy. And when I moved back to Florida, I decided, hey, it's been long enough. I've lived in Florida my whole life, and I haven't done saltwater fishing. So yeah. I just started saltwater fishing. Um and really fell in love with it. The first day I ever went saltwater fishing, took my kayak. I'd been kayak fishing for like two years, doing bass stuff. And then took my kayak out one day to the bay, put in, caught a limit of trout, and was hooked immediately. <laughs> that's sweet, man. That's super cool. It's uh, it's it's definitely, you know, I feel like that's so many people's stories, and it's mine too, starting in fresh water. And I was around saltwater, you know, but mm-hmm. that I guess it's, it's less intimidating maybe, and the... I don't know. There's definitely a little bit more of a learning curve to go out and catch trout and redfish than there is to go out and, you know, catch a bass or two. 
Oh yeah. So uh, I think that's why a lot of people get started. And the other the other big thing is if you don't grow up on the coast, like there's so much more accessibility to freshwater fishing. You know, from the oh yeah. Um, yeah, all over the country, kinda... you got lakes and rivers that you can catch bass or all the freshwater species out of. Yeah, there's only so much coastline. Yeah, I know it's it's crazy. It's I, I was talking. This was Siegler reels. They make they make fly reels and conventional reels. I was recording a podcast with them last week. That's not out yet, and they were telling me that well, ob- the obvious one is bass fishing. That's like the largest. It draws the most money per year. You know, is bass fishing. Anything to yeah. do with bass fishing. The second largest. Could you? Let me hear you. What's your guess on like the second largest, uh, as far as you know, oh. profit for for a fish for a single fish? I'm not sure. Maybe tarpon. Tarpon is a great guess because they are expensive fish, but it's catfish, man. Cat, huh. Catfish are the second. And then when I when I broke it down, it was like, all right, that's the most like within ten minutes of anyone's house, they yeah. can probably go catch a catfish or a bass. And so that's probably yeah. that was my thought. That's probably why. Yeah, those that makes sense. Yeah, but but yeah, so it, it's cool that uh, you you know you grew up around the salt and then you came back to it. So, oh yeah, and I've been in love with it ever since. Yeah. Can't can't stop. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an addiction for sure. Definitely is. And the kayak fishing, man, it's just a whole other element to it where you're you're even closer to the element. You know, like you're you're closer to the water. The fish are. You're, you're, it's almost like you're a li- the the playing field's evened a little bit. You know. Oh, it definitely is. Uh, you know, coming out of, you know, growing up fishing in a John boat on the river and on lakes and stuff, you know, I never really dealt with kayaks except for maybe a stream trip or, you know, a float trip or something. But uh, when I got, when I moved back to Florida after I uh, stopped going to college, I didn't have any money. So a kayak that was $200 on the side of the road was my answer to uh, getting on the water and yeah. getting outdoors. So after that, fell in love with it. Made a big first big kayak purchase I made. I got a Diablo uh, Amigo, which was the wrong kayak for saltwater. <laughs> and uh, I learned that the hard way. But then moved what up made to that a the couple wrong kayak? Ones. Uh, it is a. If you've never heard of it, it's it's basically a river kayak, gotcha. a shallow river, uh, super shallow boat that's super wide, super stable, made for fly specifically for fly fishing. Oh, cool! Right on. Mm-hmm. Um, well, sweet. Well, take us kind of through, you know, your passion for fishing down there. You said a lot of the times when we were talking pre-show, you're in two feet to six inches of water trying to sight oh, fish yeah. is, is, the, mm-hmm. is the main thing. So so take me through kind of your, your passion and, and what you're doing down there. Um, and I, fishing. I'll tell you what, my passion is redfish, realistically, any, any way I can get them. But my favorite thing is sight fishing. Uh Thankfully, over here, if you've never been to the Emerald Coast or anything like that, we have crystal clear waters probably 80% of the year, uh-huh. um, you know, except for in the winter. But, you know, we get crystal clear waters all throughout the year, and it's really a really great sight fishing area. Uh, but other than that, I mean, we've got a great fishery over here. We've got a, a bridge called the Three Mile Bridge that ho- holds bull reds all night long. You can have 20. 20 fish nights out there throwing top water in wow. 40 feet of water yeah it's insane but we just have a fantastic fishery for redfish they are big healthy big and healthy that's awesome so that bull red fishery there is that a, a year-round thing or is that a seasonal? oh yeah oh wow. yeah cool. any time of the year uh you can go i could go out there tomorrow night and catch them all night long that's sweet that's that's a nice little back pocket spot to have <laughs> it is it really is. it really really is yeah that's neat so the shallow water fishing, and I've never fished there, so some of these questions might sound kind of dumb, but 
um, when you're kayak fishing there, like what are you looking for? Um, well, first off, let's talk about accessibility on a kayak down there. Um, is it tough for you to, to, to get to good fishing water or is there a lot of good accessibility? Or do you have to no, not, not at all. Thankfully here, uh, there's uh, an abundance of boat launches all up and down all the areas that are available to fish uh, saltwater. Uh, you know, you got roads that just dump right into the water that even if they don't have a boat launch, it's not anybody's property except the county. So you can launch your kayak like that nice. uh, into little creeks and stuff. But the kayak community around here is is fairly large. Uh, we actually have a couple launches spotted across the Emerald Coast that have like kayak specific launches. So you oh, pull cool. your truck up, slide it down. It's got it's really nice. There's a bunch of local shops here that do kayaks. There's a. Uh, a kayak tournament association that's run, you know, 30 minutes down the road from where I live that, uh, it is the Gulf coast kayak fishing association. Um, a buddy of mine, Louie runs that and it's always good. They have tournaments every month. So there's kayak fishing around here is really, really big. Right on. Is that uh is that something you compete in a little bit? I do. Fishing? I Sweet. do. I do. The, I try the tournament fishing, man. It's a whole nother level. Like I didn't realize how, I wanted to be competitive at fishing. Like I was like, oh, fishing tournaments the first time I ever did. And it's like, it, it lights this whole new fire under your butt. And that, that oh, it, push for the day is, is pretty fun. It really does. I've always been sort of competitive. So any, any hobby that I've been involved in, I always wanted to get into competitive side of that hobby. Um, no, by no means that I'm, am I any good. I have two, three wins under my belt and those nice. are all bull, bull red tournaments at the bridge. So Heck yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. That's super cool. So as a kayak angler, what are some of the principles that you kind of put into place as far as, you know, spots that you're looking for and how you're fishing to be productive? Is that, does that question make sense? Mm, yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, you just, you really got to pick your spot depending on the wind. So, you know, you don't have the luxury of just, you know, pulling up anchor and running to a different spot that's, you know, five, 10 miles down the, the road that's got, you know, different wind coverage. So the first thing I look for is wind coverage. Um, and what your wind direction is going to be looking like. Um, besides that, you know, somewhere that you can get to easily, you know, you don't really want a long paddle to your spot, you know, especially if you're newer, you know, you got that two hour paddle, you know, to your spot and you're going to fish all day and then you got to make that paddle back. So I like fishing really close to the launches. Anywhere that I go is going to be no more than a mile from the launch that I launch at in the morning. Yeah. I seem that seems to be the trend in a lot of a lot of uh, kayak anglers I've talked to, um, and and even so, like you seem lucky you've got a bunch of launches. But a lot of the guys that don't like the cool thing about a kayak is you can get pretty creative about a launch, and especially with oh, the yeah. wheels you can put on them and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Do you do you ever have to do that, or like you were Comp- saying, pretty much? Yeah, actually, my number one spot that I go to for summer and spring fishing is a combat launch, and it's just dump it into a creek off the road and then you get to go you're good to go but yeah we've done that uh, all up and down uh south louisiana fishing ifa tournaments you know they don't have a specific launch that you have to launch at so you'll find something that looks good on google maps and then the only access is a little roadside ditch that you can you know pedal out to yeah that's but cool yeah, man you got you got to get creative yeah i think that's one of the biggest things that attracts me to kayak fishing and I, it would be more of a play in freshwater, fishing ponds and lakes and stuff like that, but um, still the same in saltwater. It's just being able to be creative about where you're fishing and, and get to oh, yeah. an area that you know maybe you'd have to run way around or might be landlocked. And um, I did some really cool kayak fishing with a buddy 
Uh, he's got a, actually a big YouTuber kayaker. His name's Elias V Fishing. I don't know if you've ever seen him on YouTube. I have. I do enjoy his videos. Yeah, he's got some cool videos. He took me this winter um, to this landlocked pond that had huge striper in it. Oh, um, dang. That, off of a river that had flooded, but we had to like drag the kayaks through a gate, like a, a hole cut in this fence, and launch them in this pond. And I was like, you can never do it on a boat, and you couldn't have ever caught those fish. Um, you know, from the bank. So it's just a, it's a cool way to access water that you can't typically access um, anywhere oh. else. Oh, definitely. My, uh, one, my best friend and fishing partner, he, he always makes the joke that my favorite fishing spot is the one that's closest to the no trespassing sign. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's good. I like that a lot. Um, well, what are you looking for down there? Like what is good redfish habitat? What are, what are the spot, the things you're looking for in a spot? For me, I'm looking for grass lines and potholes uh, and sand. Um, you know, we have uh, the Emerald Coast Sound is where I do a majority of my fishing. And on the north side of the sound, you got fantastic grass flats that have fantastic grass lines and everything like that. And then on the south side of the sound, you've got sand flats with grass patches. Gotcha. Uh, so, you know, if you're really looking to sight fish, the south side is always one of my favorite spots to go. But if, you know, it's early morning top water fishing, then you can't beat the north side. But, yeah, just shallow water potholes, uh, basically anything you'd look for when you're looking for redfish, potholes, grass lines, and uh, depth changes. Yeah, that's that's cool. It's, it's funny, too. Like, I've done a bunch of redfishing in Florida, so that makes sense to me. But, like, the it, it's, it's just crazy how versatile these fish are and how different of oh, habitats yeah. they'll live in. Like, you get up in North Carolina – and like potholes aren't even a thing like a, a, a no. fit, and and it's just it's and same with louisiana you don't have potholes you just have oh, like no. mud banks and um yeah. so to me redfish out of all the flats fish are like the most versatile can live in the largest you know difference of water temperatures and and you know you you can catch one you know up in a river that's holding on a tree like a bass and you could catch one that's tailing on a turtle grass flat down in the keys you know oh yeah which is what's so it, cool about them it's crazy you know we've around here we get a lot because you can catch redfish on the beach you can catch redfish inshore you can catch redfish in the in the river mouse and all that good stuff but it's just crazy how different they can you know different places they can they can be at for sure do you so do you spend time doing anything else um besides the redfishing there i mean i like to do some offshore fishing i haven't got too too into it my work schedule didn't really allow me to go with anybody last year yeah um but this year, I'd like to do a lot more offshore fishing as soon as the beaches are good and open back up. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, y'all got some. It's about it's there. about to be tarpon time here. Yeah, so that's what was my next question. Do y'all get migratory tarpon? Big migratory. We do. Tarpon Sweet. We do. Spring springtime, the tarpon run through really, really well. Have you uh, had much luck in a kayak on them? I I have not. I have only actually been out there one or two times to target them but there uh-huh. are a bunch of guys out here i don't know if you've ever heard of a gentleman uh brandon barton yeah he's yeah, one, yeah yeah he's one of the hobie the hobie guys um a buddy of mine and he he slays the tarpon that's awesome slaughters the tarpon that's uh, awesome but i would love to get one yeah for sure well, it sounds like uh sounds like you need to hang out with brandon and l- learn the ropes from him a little bit if he's if yeah. he's catching like that i mean it, so is it like a is, is it a spot there that is the you know where you're mostly getting your tarpon or um not not there are a lot of realistically spots. when they're running they're you know it's all up and down yeah from from destin to pensacola gotcha that's awesome um there's a lot of uh Apalachicola. I know that like the fly fishing scene is is pretty large there for the tarpon. It is big. 
and Pensacola as well. And, and that's that's an area I've always wanted to come. I do a lot of that's kind of my main focus is fly fishing. Yeah, and in the, and and in the summer when they are running like early summer, late spring, they they do get around the bridge I was talking about earlier is called the Three Mile Bridge. Yeah, and that is a big spot for kayak anglers to catch tarpon. Yeah, at at night. They love man. Fish love oh, yeah. those big mega structures. Like anywhere. Oh yeah. That's one thing that I, I need to stress more on this podcast is as far as you know fishing spots as we talk about so many things. But but look on your Google Earth or look on Google Earth and like in your area. And look for those mega structures, those oh, big yeah. bridges, huge Large. like uh, shipping docks, stuff like oh, that. Yeah. Those are always going to hold or fish. Oil rigs, or oil anything rigs. like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, cool. So, you've one thing you talked about before the show that, that was really interesting to me was um, I was like, what kind of stands out about you as an angler? And you're like, man, I'm just super simple. I like to, to be super simple in the water with what I take and how I fish. So, uh, dive into that a little bit and kind of explain that to everybody that's listening. For me, it's 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 super simple. I, I like fishing a kayak. I've had I've owned a couple different boats and always ended up selling them because it's just too much of a hassle. But you know, quickly load the kayak in the truck. I'm taking one or two rods most of the time. Two rods unless it's the winter, and then I'm only taking one. But and then and one single bag of tackle and a box of hooks. And for me, that's all it is. I throw a jig and I throw a topwater. Right on. And, most of the time I can at least get something to go home and eat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you do any sight fishing with a topwater? Is it mostly that's a search bait for you? Mostly it's a search bait. Gotcha. Around here they're not as sight fishing them with topwater is a little more difficult it's a than tough it would game. be in say a marsh a marsh setting. Now in Louisiana when you're fishing tournaments, that's fantastic to throw a topwater for tailors, but yeah. Around here, it's mostly you're throwing jigs, shrimp imitations. The Savage Gear shrimp is one that's really, really popular around here because the water's so clear. So you have to be lifelike. Yeah, definitely. What uh, what topwaters do you like when you're throwing topwater? I like a Super Spook Junior, and if you can find one, uh, what is it called? The Bonnie ninety five from Jackal. But they don't sell them in the U.S. anymore, so you have to order from Japan. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not even yeah. familiar with the color. What is, is the what's a, the color breakdown? The jackal, you, it's a uh, I forgot what color that I use, but it basically looks like a mullet. Gotcha. It's got a kind of dark back with a silver whitish bottom. But the thing about that one is it's a bass bait. Okay. It's small. It's really small. And around here, you know, in the summertime, when the top water's hot. You're looking at, you know, they're eating the glass, the redfish and trout are looking for glass minnows and small little like two, three inch bait fish. They're not looking for big pinfish or mullet. So you throw that smaller top water in the in the summer and the bigger top water in the the cooler months around here is what I've had the success with. Sadly, I sacrificed my uh, Bonnie 95 last year to a bull red that broke me off. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, it sounds like so. You said you have to order from Japan. Is that something you can find through you you through AliExpress and all that? Through, for I have not. I've the ones I've ordered. I've only ordered two, but they've been from eBay. From eBay, right on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a resource, man. I've started tapping into lately, and a lot of times you have to change your hardware when you get it. But I mean, for like casting jigs, I do a lot of Albi and Bonita fishing, like throwing the, the those on the surface. That's pretty popular around here. And you're gonna go to the tackle shop and pay. You know, seven to nine dollars for a casting jig that you're probably going to get bit off on eventually, mm-hmm. um, and you can go get the same one or similar one on AliExpress for like seventy five cents. 
So oh dang! And, and same with tons of top waters, crankbaits, wake baits, <laughs> soft plastics. Yeah, I've, There's I've tons heard of, of it. I've heard of AliExpress, but I've never actually used it. Yeah, I, I shouldn't like say that. I got a bunch of friends that, that work in tackle shops, but yeah, it is a good I, I'm resource. A, I'm a really, I'm a real, and simplistic goes throughout. You know, most of the lifestyle that I like to live. So, I like to shop local yeah, and yeah. pay pay cash for things. So I don't necessarily order a lot of things online, and I don't necessarily like to. Uh, we've got some really good tackle shops around here that really have good quality gear and yeah. good pricing. Definitely, so yeah, that's I'm, huge. Thank, I'm thankful for that. So that's huge. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I, don't get me wrong; I spend plenty of money at our local tackle shops. Yeah. <laughs> but there's certain, there's certain things that are are nice if you can get a bulk deal on on some yeah. cheaper stuff. It just mm-hmm. it helps as a guide for me. Not not oh, spend yeah, quite definitely. as much money. So if um, I was a guide, I'd probably definitely buy bulk. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it can be helpful. So. Um, well, let's talk a little bit too. You were mentioning the Ned Rig and how you like to fish yeah. the Ned Rig for for redfish. Is that a sight fishing bait predominantly for you? Or are you are you no, broadcasting that as well? No, I all the time. Okay, sweet. Well, let's uh, definitely dive into that because that's a bait that is really starting to blow up in the in the saltwater oh, world. And it really is around here too. We had a I saw it on a on a it's a, a Facebook post probably last November. Uh-huh. And I went and picked up a pack and instantly loved them. Yeah. Just uh, I use the the ticklers, the TRD ticklers. Yep, yep. Um, those work great. And there's a local gentleman around here, uh, Nicholas Little, uh, from Navarre, who has a bait company that makes a ghost shrimp colored Ned rig uh, plastic. And I bought these too. Those are fantastic. Because uh, ghost shrimp are a big thing around here. Yeah. Yeah. Is, so, it, the ghost shrimp, that's a really, really clear shrimp, correct? That's yeah. why it's got the name? Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So that, that bait's a, a very translucent looking it's like, bait. Yeah, so. it's, got a, it's like a translucent, like yellowish, kind of opaque deal. It, oh, I mean, oh, it works yeah. really well. But yeah, sight fishing, just casting around, uh, follow-up bait, of course. Uh, for your top water, it works all in all different ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think what's cool about it, too, is... is the fact, especially when you're fishing grass or, or something like that, that a Ned rig stands straight up. I think that's one oh, of yeah. the best parts about it. Um, and that's one of the co- cool things I like about Z-Man in general. Like even if you're not fishing a Ned rig, the Z-Man baits, the fact that they float, straight up. yeah, you can let it sit and move it very little and, and still get good action on it. So Yeah, um, I got turned on to Z-Man last year when I was down in Mosquito Lagoon, actually. Oh, cool. Uh, I had been a, a big fan of gulp baits, you know, for since I, I've only been saltwater fishing probably four years uh-huh. so gulp was what i used the first two years because it caught fish yeah and then when you when you get a little more confident you you switch to something that's <laughs> right. a little cheaper a little cheaper uh, yeah and you realize like, they'll eat the gulp's really just a, a stick i mean it doesn't oh, have yeah. any action it's really just the scent but it oh, does yeah. show you that it really becomes in sight fishing presentation like if, if you move something in front of them and present it to where they feel like they found it and it looks somewhat like it could be alive a lot of times the redfish is going to eat it. In my oh opinion. yeah, um, yeah. Pre- presentation and and your tackle selection because I've really had to over the last year I've really downsized my leader. I used to I was strictly twenty pound test all the way through through sight fishing uh, anything, and uh, lately I've been noticing that they've been a little spookier. So I dropped down to ten pound test yeah. line and you know. Making sure your cast is perfect, your knot's perfect. It's a whole, it's a whole game down here with the clarity of water that we get. Yeah. So, what is, uh, what's your go-to as far as like, all right, you see a fish. How far do you like to lead it? How far do you like to cross its path 
from a, when you're fishing from a kayak? Oh, just depends on the situation that I'm given. You that's, know, that's, that's a good answer. <laughs> if it's if it's a little windy and you know you can't really see too far ahead of you, you might have to just drop it in their face. But normally, you know, you like to get it out in front of them at least a fish length. Yeah. And just sit it there when yep. I come up on it and give it a little jiggle. And normally they eat it. I like those ticklers because they got those four little tails yep. that just wiggle with the water. And you don't even have to move it. That fish just goes crazy for it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, that's a huge part of that. those baits, man, is the fact that they really do nothing baits. If you put it in the right spot, it's going to get eaten. So you oh, might yeah. as well have just thrown a piece of cut shrimp there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they'll turn around and eat it. So, well, I think the last thing I really want to get into, it's crazy how, how quickly time goes by and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more for sure, but sight fishing from a kayak, what are some tips that you have for people that want to try sight fishing from a kayak? Man, my one big thing that I learned is, is if you have a stake a push pole, stakeout pole, use that instead of a paddle, you know, the, uh, the paddle going through the water and it dripping off the water is a real big thing for me. I'm, I'm getting real close, you know, catching fish within 10 feet of me most of the time. So stealth is a big, big deal. If you can, I got, um, the sea, the sea, what's it called? Sea mat, sea deck mats yeah, on yeah. my kayak for, for quietness. Uh-huh. Um, that's a big deal. Just being quiet, getting low, making that cast, you know, you want to give the fish every opportunity not to see you or your tackle is my big thing. And so the right line, the right cast. But, I mean, besides that, I mean, you're just going to hope that fish is hungry when you put a bait in front of it. Yeah, definitely. And usually they are. They usually yeah. are. Yeah. They're usually not one to turn down food. And I, I've really been using a lot of Procure lately. Yeah. That stuff has been a game changer as far as moving from, you know, if you're if you're used to using a gulp bait as compared to another soft plastic that's not got an infused scent, that uh, that stuff is killer. Yeah, I mean, you get those certain red fish that it doesn't matter if it smelled like, you know, dog crap. I mean, they're <laughs> just going to eat it because it moved in front of them. But those ones that kind of come over and check it out slowly, that scent, man, it, it seals the deal. Oh, it does. I've got a bunch of fly clients that are like, you know, snobby, persnickety. They don't want to, I mean, they just want to throw the feathers to the fish and get the fish to eat. And sometimes, like this time of year, we're getting out of it, but winter, you get real spooky, temperamental schools mm-hmm. of fish. And like, you where know, are you located out again? I'm in, I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina. So the North okay. Carolina coast. Okay. Yeah. So big schools of redfish kind of in deeper sloughs in the marsh um, in the winter. And I'll be like, hey, let me check that fly out. I'm going to trim it down a little bit. And I'll, like, reach down to my hatch and squirt a little procure on the tail of it. Like, <laughs> rub it in. And, like, all right, try it again. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah I just got into – I'm trying to get into fly fishing. I caught my first fly fish – fly redfish probably, like, three months ago. Nice. Heck, yeah. But it's, it's hard. It's a hard especially game. Especially from a kayak. Yeah, man. There's so many moving pieces in a kayak. That's what I was going to ask, too. Like, when you get onto a flat to sight fish from your kayak, are you – kind of like drifting staking out looking in that area for a little bit drifting staking out or are you just kind of drifting no the whole i'm flat? constantly moving constantly. I, I cover as much ground as i can okay. especially since i got the pedal kayak yeah because there's no real like consequences for going too far yeah is in in your area is there the ability to sight fish from the seat or do you pretty much have to stand up and uh, oh sight fish? you you would you definitely have to stand up gotcha okay cool. yeah the the tailing is few and far between sadly yeah and you know you're fishing in such shallow water sometimes that you're there's no way you see them in time if you're in the seat yeah you got to be have that that angle it's important Mm -hmm. that's cool um the other thing i want to talk about was what was it we were talking about 
the sight fishing. Oh, so if you're not sight fishing, if you're fishing that area and you're not sight fishing, uh, say it's, you know, or you just, you're in an area where, if you're not sight fishing, what kind of stuff are you looking to target fishing? Red normally fish? one, normally one to three feet, okay. wa- three foot water. So I go move a little deeper. You know, you're just looking for those changes in the grass. So it'll be massive expanses of grass flats. You're looking for potholes, breaks, you know, depth changes, anything just fan casting as much as possible gotcha gotcha well sweet man mm-hmm. well for kayak anglers that that want to get into the red fishing and the sight fishing and stuff is there any last tips or tricks or, or just encouragement that you want to uh, anybody with yeah if you if you're if you're really wanting to get into sight fishing make sure you got a stable kayak that you can stand up in there's no point in even trying it in something that you can't because you won't be successful but really patience is key you know you're going to get or at least here I get turned down more by the fish than I do get eat. So, you know, just keep going at it, keep going at it and really pay attention to how the fish looks at your bait and reacts to it. So, you know, you'll get some fish that are just instantly spooked. You'll get some fish that are curious, you'll get, you know, learn from the mistakes that you made on your last cast to put the next cast in the position that you think is going to be best. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's huge, man. That's, that's a good point. Patience patience is the biggest thing with sight fishing definitely definitely uh you learn from your mistakes as well as your successes when it comes to sight fishing and with anything anything. oh yeah um and don't be discouraged cover water well like you said like always be moving don't don't go to an area and try to make that area work if it's not working keep moving look for that productive water um well cool man um like i said earlier like every time i have a, a kayak podcast i'm like golly i want to get a kayak so Hey man, it's a great investment if you can do it. It but, is. I mean, if you're used to boat fishing, like you were saying earlier, you know, I have buddies who take me out on their boats and such, and I yeah. never do. I never do as good on a boat as I do on a kayak. Right. I I can I can outfish myself ten to one on a kayak compared to a boat because what you're saying earlier is you really, really having to slow down. You don't have that motor to move. You don't have that trolling motor to move, especially if you're in a paddle kayak. You know, you're really limited in a paddle kayak compared to a pedal one. Mm-hmm. Um, but you really have to break down areas because, you know, the fish can be, you, know, you got a 150 foot stretch of, of flats. They could not be biting in that. But the next 150 foot stretch, they can. Sometimes in a boat, you blow through that. And when you're in a kayak, you're really, really dialing in that area. Definitely. And I think the other the other big part that you just reminded me of when you're saying that is with a pedal kayak, not a paddle, but a pedal. Um, you've got your rod in your the hand the whole go. day. You're fishing the yeah. whole day. I mean, you can always cast. So I was, I was a big believer in the paddle kayaks until I started fishing one of my buddy's hobies for tournaments. And it is a night and day difference. And you can win, you can win tournaments, and you can win some money with a paddle kayak, but you have a way better chance to win it in a pedal kayak if that's what you're going for. And yeah. just overall ease of use and all that, especially windy days, it opens up a whole different world. Current, all that good stuff. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, well, sweet man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Yeah, and, uh, appreciate being if you're on. ever if you're ever doing some survey work up in in the North Carolina coast area. Hopefully yeah, not. You Hopefully ever, you're back yeah, to sushi you, soon. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. But yeah, same thing goes for you, man. If you're ever down, I got extra kayaks. So sweet. I'll definitely let me know. You. I'll definitely hit you up, and I might uh, might be down there later on this summer coming through. So I'll, I'll keep you posted. Heck yeah, but, but, yeah uh, definitely do it. We'll go out to the bridge and get you on some bowls. Cool. I like it, man. Well, uh, Dan Bowers, you guys, is his name, and Dan the Fishing Man One on Instagram. If you want to keep up yep. with his 
his fishing uh, adventure. Somebody else, somebody else took Dan the fishing man. He doesn't even post anything, so I was a little bit hurt about <laughs> have that. Have you messaged him and been like, "Hey, man, do you mind if I have your Instagram name?" No, it's just a thing now. So yeah, I just well, like you're Dan the fishing man number I'm, one. You're the best. I'm the number one Dan the fishing man. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Well, sweet. Well, I'm gonna close this out here, um, guys. Thanks right. again so much for for checking out the show. If you liked it. Um, just keep checking them out. And uh, like I said, go check out Dan, the fishing man one on Instagram. And if you're in his area, what, what restaurant do you, uh, are you a sushi chef at? Sushi oh, chef. Bamboo sushi and hibachi in Crestview. Nice. If you're in Crestview, check him out. Go get some sushi. So, yeah. um, we will, uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you again. Later.